Hey, on the show today, are you in a committed, fulfilling, happy, stable relationship? I sure hope so. But if you're not, or if you know somebody that isn't, we're going to be talking about a few tips with our dating expert, Elisa Snell, when to cut bait and when to know you found the perfect mate. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show right after this. Call for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Shortly after resigning his post as head of the CIA due to a recently uncovered sex scandal, General David Petraeus has agreed to still testify before Congress in regards to the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Libya. Petraeus was exposed in the affair last week by an FBI investigation, which has now expanded to look at the relationship between one of the women involved and General John Allen as well, who is the top U.S. commander in Afghanistan. Officials in Congress who are waiting on Petraeus's testimony are now also requesting a full timeline of the FBI investigation in order to better understand when their work can move forward. One of the biggest concerns surrounding the Petraeus case is now the discovery of sensitive information on the computer of the general's mistress. President Barack Obama has stepped in, now assuring no evidence has been presented showing classified information was leaked. But the FBI officials who searched the home say there are substantial amounts of sensitive information on the computer that should have been stored more securely. The investigation into how she got the information in the first place is ongoing as federal officials probe further into the matter. The president also remarked that while no compromising evidence has been produced thus far, he is also not prejudging further investigations. With a meeting with top congressional... Congressional leaders about the looming fiscal cliff coming up this Friday. President Obama met with top business leaders today in order to put more pressure on tough Republican leaders. The business leaders invited to today's gathering were mainly those already on board with the president's plan to raise taxes on the wealthy, and the president's political opponents from Wall Street were not represented. Top Republican leaders have already admitted that they will have to cave on tax hikes in order to pass a plan. However, early reports show that the president is likely to push harder than ever on increases. The president is expected to open negotiations by asking Congress to approve a plan that would call for double the tax revenue increase than what was on the table in summer 2011. As recovery continues from Hurricane Sandy, a new report shows that the biggest threat to the U.S. power grid may not be natural disasters, but the system's vulnerability to terrorist strikes. According to the report, without urgent attention to security, large sections of the U.S. are at risk of being blacked out for weeks or months, costing billions of dollars. Attacks could be mounted by cyber or physical means, meaning tighter security across the board is required to more completely defend important infrastructure. Concern about the potential for a massive power shutdown has been amplified by recent recent large-scale blackouts after Hurricane Sandy, as well as other global disasters proving just how damaging a blackout can be. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, my friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. I'm now emphasizing my words. 
better. Uh, anyway, welcome to the program, everybody. We, again, on this program, we are trying to help you build a happier, healthier, a smart life is our goal. Giving you the tools you need, a leg up uh, in this crazy thing we call life. And uh, I've got a gang of uh, peeps, we call them, my coworkers, my friends, my team, and together we put our brains together and we will give you the tools you need. Now, today is a very big day. If you are dating, if you're single, or if you're dating somebody and you're not sure if it's time to let them go, because it doesn't seem to be progressing, then today is the day. We're going to talk about that. So if you know somebody, if you have a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandchild, uh, a friend, a neighbor, a peer, a coworker, or any other explanation of a relationship that you might have, and they're not necessarily getting the clue that it's time to let someone go, today's the day. Go grab them, have them listen to the show. And uh, we're also going to be giving you a bunch of other tools. Um, apparently, one of us has a cough and making noise. Um, that would be Skyboy. But what we're going to do is give you some other ideas, some of the latest news in the human factor. Who has got some newsage for the people? Sky? Um, What's with the cough? I just I just coughed. Sometimes I cough. Do you ever? No. I don't know if people, you ever get that. but No. I don't do it in an enclosed room. Sorry. When we're all trapped and I've got nowhere to go. <sighs> I like to breathe like that. I don't have any news, though. You don't? No. But uh, um, something cool happened over the weekend that we didn't talk about on Monday. What? There was a tie in a football game. I thought that was kind of Yeah, cool. that was weird. Yeah. I was disappointed. Yeah. It's because it seems like, what do they say about ties? It's like kissing your sister. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I've never it's heard great. That before. She's great. <laughs> It's just not what you're into. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I guess. I, I don't think I really I know guess. you. I guess. Sports analogies go way over my head. <laughs> I don't know what's going But it's a tie. They're supposed to keep playing and dueling. Warriors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know how that relates to kissing your sister, but... Have you never fought with your sister? I've fought with my sister. I've never kissed my sister. Well, good. <laughs> that would be gross. Uh, no, but it's like kissing your sister is... It's like a tie. It's I guess you win. I I don't know. It's just not worth it. You know what I mean? No, I don't. Okay. But that's okay. Well, look it up. It's a quote. Uh, it's from the old school. I feel bad being a generation ahead of all of you. I'll try we to feel dumb, bad for you, too. I'll try to dumb it down a bit. Uh, <laughs> what news have you got, BT? Bryce Tobin. So, Matt, are, you, are you afraid of uh, ending up in a vegetative state? Yeah. Okay, because that kind of terrifies I'm me. I'm on the road. Have you ever woken up in that like sleep paralysis? You, do you know what that is? No, is that after NyQuil? Because uh, I get that when I do that's, that's just a hangover. That's okay. just a straight up hangover. Okay, what's the difference? No, sleep paralysis is where your muscles aren't quite as awake as your brain is. And uh, so you wake up, you try and move and kind of, it's, it's jarring. It'll throw you into a bit of a panic. Because you're like, I'm here I am like, stuck I'm forever. supposed to move. Like, I'm done. That's okay, it. Okay, no, that's a horrible nightmare. Okay. So, I can't have that. So one of the things with uh, people who have been uh, brain damaged or mm -hmm. for some other reason, they aren't really conscious and... Incapacitated. And sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. That works. Um, we've been trying to communicate with them forever. Really? And we we found out something that kind of actually works. You mean like, so there, are they in like a state of either a coma or... Sure. Or they're they're awake, but they're kind of in a lesser capacity. They can't give you any other signals. So we've been trying to access their brain. Yes. How neat. Their brain that is clearly alive, 
but not oh, sending how out signals. amazing would that be though if you could if we figured out a way to get in oh can you imagine how freeing if you're that person i mean they're they're out there right that are yeah. stuck in this coma and know what's going on okay so what so are we learning what we've got is they'll they'll put some of these patients in an fmri machine and they'll ask them questions and they'll essentially give them a certain thought process for this one guy they did tennis for a yes so they said okay think about tennis to his unconscious body and they can read if he's in that part of his brain yeah so when he starts playing tennis with his brain his, his head will light up a certain way. And then oh, they said, think about heavens. something else for the word no. And so then they got him in the habit of doing that. Yes. And they started asking him questions. Now, sounds That's sketchy, cool. right? Well, I think it's cool. Well, they started with biographical questions to see if he could just straight up answer. Does your mother make a great meatloaf? Well, the one guy, they asked him, what's your dad's name? They said, is it this, 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 or this? And he said yes to Alexander, which oh, ends up being his dad's name. Word. So we're kind of figuring out how to talk to these people. How we, cool. We did find out that only about 43% of the, the people that they studied were able to react. So, maybe, so. But still, 45% of the people we think might have brain activity are reacting. Yeah. Though you can talk to them to some degree. Can you imagine? Seriously. Like, that's, that is a nightmare, that you're stuck in that state. It reminds me of Skylar, by the way, a lot. Uh, I was thinking of Buster from Arrested Development when he's in his fake coma. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't yeah. have to test the phone. Don't, was, don't ever yeah. change. Don't ever change. But if we could actually access that brain, I mean, seriously, you have just freed somebody from eternal just loneliness. Right. Oh, my heavens. That's, that's cool. cool. That's pretty cool. See, I like it, Bryce, because you bring a science. I've got science. I love science. Uh, did you hear that reducing kids' screen time is teaching them something else? Guess what happens? So a lot of kids, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of kids play video games. Really? No, they do. They do. And they play them a lot, like all day. But That's they found true. that if you reduce the kids' screen time, guess what also you reduce? Happiness. Laziness. Mm-hmm. Okay, thumb exercise. <laughs> thumb exercise, yes. Their thumbs get smaller. But you actually reduce how many meals they eat in front of the screen. I believe it. Which means... Well, that would make sense if you're playing 24-7. See, and they're finding out that there's a tie between video gaming and screen time, meals eaten in front of the screen, and obesity. So one of the ways to uh, decrease obesity may be less screen time for your kids. So there's challenging families. They did a study with like 160 families. Uh, and they're tr- they're targeting these kids and having them have a time a what do they call it a TV free zone. Oh, by the way, it's not even just video gaming; it's TV. But they're now just asking them to have TV free time, and they're finding that by doing that, they were eating 1.5 meals per day in front of the television, and they will reduce that by uh, eventually by having TV TV free zones. They'll reduce it significantly, and they'll be having less meals, which eventually will save them weight. Hmm. This makes a lot of sense. Anytime I like sit down to watch, oh, yeah, you know, one of my hour long Star Trek episodes, or <laughs> any, prison break, or the whole or, series, or prison break, just any reason that I know I'm going to be sitting down for more than like 15 minutes, you my got, first thought is Cheetos. I should I should probably grab something to eat. But well, I don't need you that. Told us. I don't need it. No, but you eat the you eat the um, the cheese whiz zits. What do they call them? Uh, cheese zits. You yes. told us about the cheese zits. I love coma. them. Well, you plus you get that uh, you you fix your food, you go down, you start watching your TV show. I have a little office, so I'm sitting there eating, 
And then I finish my food about 10 minutes into the TV show. <laughs> yeah. And then I find I pause the show, go upstairs. You got to get more. Take my lunch for the next day, which I was going to save in the fridge of what was left from no. fixing the meal. You need to eat it now. Eat you it got now, 45 minutes. So I have enough food uh-huh. to finish, uh, make it through the rest of the show. See, it used to be that your mom would say that your brain would get squishy if you watch TV. My mom used to say, your brain's going to get soft. Now my stomach is going to get it's squishy. Your little, it's your little paunch that's going to get squishy. Well, my mom switched it. We have no eating zones, like physical spaces. That is a great so idea. So no eating on the carpet where the TV is, yes. which is super frustrating. Who doesn't want to watch movies and eat popcorn and have drinks? But I like now that. it's not allowed. See, your sneaky mom's mom, smart. sneaky mom. I think she's brilliant. I told my kids, you actually can't eat and watch TV or you'll die. And that actually messed them up for a while. And you know, lies are okay. As <laughs> so long as, so they if it's just, good for uh, them, they just yeah. decided to stop eating. Yeah, I think the carpet zone's better. So it took us a lot of therapy to get them out of that one. <laughs> you got to be careful what you're doing with your kids. Isn't live, that amazing? Live and learn. Live and learn. So out there, parents, you know what? Maybe you need to reduce a little screen time. Uh, and uh, maybe that'll reduce a little bit of the waistline. Talking on the other side of that screen. Yes. Video games themselves. Those first-person shooters. They want to make them. There's, there's such a competitive market oh, yeah. now, making these video games. They have budgets like movies. To what degree should they bring in consultants to try to make it accurate? More real. Like you need to bring in military to say, no, if I was going to Bingo. shoot that guy, I would shoot him in the neck. So this uh, uh, new Sounds game that's coming that. out, they brought in elite Navy SEALs. Oh, um, no way. To come in and can consult. See, do you remember? This is why my kid swore off terrorism yesterday. And he says, I'll never be a terrorist, Dad. It's because of this, these games. So he, the Navy SEALs are doing such a good job at making this so real that now my son doesn't want to be a terrorist. They're scaring the terrorism right out of kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so video games have good, good things. Apparently. Too. Yeah. But they're Moral making it so real yeah. that you can't even – and that's scary to me. Well, it's creating an interesting situation because the Navy is having to reprimand – Seven of these Navy SEALs who worked with the video game developer oh, to try to make secrets it. And... Because uh, nobody wants to, you know, play a game where you're fighting World War One right over now. again. They, so one of the levels on this game, you go fight Somali pirates. Which we've done. Very recently. And we have some inside information. But see, you this is see... how the pirates could be training. Exactly. Uh, you know, to think that the U.S video game market is just internal or it might be Western Europe. Uh, people play these games all over the world. And so, yeah, so if you That's get too detailed into how the U.S. Navy handles piracy, for instance, yeah. then the pirates play the video game. They well, know exactly how the, what the Navy's going to do. But that's just like a military shoot 'em up game. What about when they're bringing in experts like Pac-Man or um, Mario Brothers? And the Mario Brothers are starting to explain to the developers what's really going on in Mario's head while he's playing this game. When you're, you know, when it's a plumbing simulator. Yeah, like a plumber. That's serious business. Where does this stop? See, Pac-Man might be good to have a comeback because here's a character whose whole mission in life was to avoid ghosts and eat Cherries. And so if you're sitting there playing your video game yeah. screen time and eating at the yeah. same time, and then you watch fat, uh, Pac-Man getting fatter and yeah. fatter and fatter. <laughs> you know what's funny, Rob, is that Pac-Man has the same MO as you do. What's that? Avoiding ghosts and eating. Well, yeah. I, I, who wants to hang out around a ghost? Not me. 
So I think that uh, we're going to be Pac- talking about ghosts. Pac-Man's, by the way, uh, he's a good guy. Do any of you guys can... have uh, ghosts of relationships past? That, like you're walking across campus and the, and then they're like right there and you get this cold chill. Does it like vengeful spirits of well, relationships some are vengeful, of the past? Like that you look over your shoulder and she's in her car watching you. It happens. Vroom, vroom, revving well, her I, I I had a girl three years ago turn me down. I tried to ask her out on a few dates and. Uh, she just moved in my neighborhood after three years. She's back. She's I back. smell revenge, Rob. Okay. No, <laughs> it's, Red it's Rob. fine. But it's but it was just kind of interesting because it's like, oh. Well, okay, have you guys – now, we different. don't have to get too personal, but I totally want to hear from Sky. Um, <laughs> do you guys ever – have you ever had a person you've dated that you just needed to end it? It just wasn't working. And you you didn't know either how to end it or whether you should end it, and what happened. I mean, generally, because I know you don't. I mean, I, I know it hasn't <clears> happened <throat> to you, Sky. So hypothetically, no, it's happened. With a fr- oh, okay. I was trying to help <laughs> you out of it. But. Well, that's a little depressing. Yeah. So what'd you do? Um, I didn't end it, and it just got uglier and uglier and uglier. And, and you married and... her? No, not okay. true. Um, <laughs> Good. And then uh, eventually, it, it ended up turning into one of the worst summers of my life and the worst vacations I've ever been on. Wow. And I mean, and then a the lot, family a lot of involved. regrets. Yeah. Whole family. I'm talking, I'm talking grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, yeah, brothers, sisters. And it was the ugliest, probably the worst memory I have ever. Wow. It was, it was bad. Wow. Sorry for bringing so that yeah, up. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that one up. I'm just going to. Now. Anyway, anybody else got one? <laughs> Avoidance. That's how I got out of mine. You just avoid them. Well, I just went to Germany, so it kind of got me. Well, that would. <laughs> out hey, of where did Catherine go? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Catherine, um, where are I'm you? I'm leaving for the next year and a half. Uh, bye. That's a great way to do it. I've done that too, though. Have you? I've just like, yeah, I just like. Just disappear. Just but, one day, just like completely. It's avoid called the ninja. The you just oh, gone. But you were in the witness protection program. Ah, uh, no. That would have been. I don't think that's a liberty that to say. Easy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm easy. not allowed to comment on that. But don't you? I mean, it's this is a hard thing, isn't it? It's such a delicate situation. Like it should be. You should just do it. You just got to do it. You can't just run it's away. It's hard. It sounds hard. I I have no idea. You know what? I've it's never easy. been there. It's easy. I mean, it's like kicking in a door. Just head first. Go for it. Yeah, but what if it's like double bolted and it's steel? Well, that's actually how reality is. So you're, you're just kind of bang yeah. your head against a wall. But then well. once you're through it, you're not. It's not over. No, because you find out yeah. there's another. There's door. like it, it. It continues on for months afterwards. And she, it's, or you figured out it wasn't even her door. You just kicked in someone else's door. <laughs> it's a sticky metaphor. I don't, yeah, I don't often just accidentally break up with the wrong person. <laughs> oh. I haven't done that yet. Yet. <laughs> Are we planning something? Well, you never know. These things happen, okay? <laughs> We're bringing on an expert, Elisa Goodwin-Snell. She's going to help us figure out how to break up with somebody when it's time to cut bait. We're going to even talk about those metaphors when we get back. Okay, a lot of metaphors. We're talking singles, single life right here on the Matt Townsend Show. When to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, my friends, and when to run. Run! Up next on the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Long ago, sailing ships made it possible to explore all corners of our world. Soon, a new type of sail that could help us explore the rest of the universe will be unfurled. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA is preparing to launch a giant solar sail spanning over 15,000 square feet. The Gossamer craft looks something like an origami kite, covered in foil, braced by inflatable tubing, and weighing next to nothing. But this wispy traveler will be capable of flying almost anywhere in our solar system, and even beyond, propelled only by the pressure of sunlight, an inexhaustible fuel source. This demonstrator, however, is staying closer to home. In Earth orbit, it will practice precision maneuvering tasks to build experience in solar sailing. So, what's a sail good for? One future project may use the sail as an orbiting catcher's mitt to scoop up space debris. Future satellites might use it for deorbiting themselves when they retire. Further ahead, the solar sail looks very promising as the space tug and anchor to keep a long-duration Geostorm Solar Flare Observatory parked in one spot in deep space for a long time. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is partnering with NASA and private industry to test sails in working conditions. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Travel somewhere new every Monday with artist Eric Dowdled. Let Eric paint pictures in your mind of far-off places and their cultures. If they're dancing, isn't that kind of an invitation for you to join in? Yeah, that's Okay, but no one else did but me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) I was dancing like a son of a gun. Yes, you were. were. Join Eric and co-host Dave for Traveling with Eric Dowdled. Weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. And today we are talking about dating, right? And there's just so many phrases we use, uh, cliches, I guess, love metaphors, you name it. On today's show, though, we're going to be talking with our expert, Elisa Snell, about when you cut, when do you cut bait? Okay, have you ever heard that phrase before? That phrase makes me think about how dating and love are filled with silly metaphors. Do any of them make sense? I'm a single guy, and I'm always looking for good advice that could change that. And I thought, "Ah, maybe these metaphors would help me wrap my mind around the complicated, rewarding, confusing, painful world of love. Love songs are filled with these metaphors, like fish or cut bait. But it makes me stop and ask, do they even make sense in the first place? Fisher Cutbait joins the metaphor, plenty of fish in the sea. Which, personally, I find a little bit amusing because I've never caught a fish in a literal or romantic sense. But you know what? The metaphor doesn't work at all. At no point does the fish get to decide, gee, I want to be caught by the lure. Fishing, fishing is kind of a one-way deal. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Here's one that's a little more literal. Looking for love in all the wrong places. This metaphor implies love is an object, something you search for with your eyes, like missing car keys. It's fair to say that we all have a flaw or two. Every rose has its thorn. Every rose has its thorn. And I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like inside a relationship 
where a savvy husband knows which hot-button topics to steer completely clear of. But go outside and take a look at a rose bush. It's just vine after vine of thorns with an occasional rose here and there. That's kind of a bleak prospect. My better half. Where the rose and thorn analogy seems unnecessarily cruel, this one seems almost naive. But then again, I do see guys who have been married 30, 40, 50 years always refer to their sweetie as my better half. The question is, is this just a male coping strategy so you can steer clear of the thorns? Or are women truly the better half? I mean, you never see a wife refer to her husband as her better half. It almost seems kind of rude for some reason. Speaking of rude, here's a metaphor for draggy relationships. It conjures up visions of a 1920s Mississippi Chang gang. The old ball and chain requites your relationship to a prison sentence. A sort of contract that, to get out of, requires going before a judge. Not exactly one that's loaded with optimism for the future. Along the same vein, baggage. It implies a really great person in the relationship drags along a lot of extra stuff. It's sort of like picking up somebody from the airport. It's great to see them, but then it's kind of annoying to sit there at the conveyor belt waiting to collect five bags, and then you have to drag them all out to the parking garage, and those suitcases follow you to your house, through other people's houses, practically everywhere until that person gets back on their plane and flies away. Just like breaking up with somebody. One flaw in the analogy, though. I've never heard anyone complain when the airline lost their relationship baggage. Love is a roller coaster. To be honest, I just wanted to play the Ohio players here. I have a feeling it doesn't always stay that way. Asking girls out feels exactly the same as a roller coaster. You know those signs in front of roller coasters that say, please don't enter if you have a heart condition, nursing, pregnant, all that fun stuff. Those signs usually discourage 80-year-olds from getting on. Yet I have grandparents who have been married for about 60 years. They're in their 80s. If their love still feels like a roller coaster, I don't know, they might not be around much longer. And, of course, there's the huge list of metaphors involving sparks and fires and flames. Don't we spend billions of dollars sending diplomats and peacekeepers out to prevent wars and battles? So why would every living person have this huge desire to pair off with somebody if love is a battlefield? So what, in the end, one spouse conquers and then the other waves the white flag and spends the next 30 years cowering saying, Whatever you say, sweetie, that sounds awful. This one is pretty bad. I mean, just listen to this terribly, terribly corny chorus. Love is like This song's credit, I do concede the real problem with love is that it's impossible, really, to describe in words, hence all the terrible songs. But of course, it could be worse. We could just stop trying to use words to describe it, and we'd end up with... I love is like, whoa. Yeah. Let's stick with corny metaphors. They're kind of 
kind of underrated. Wow, man, love is like raw, or uh, love is like uh, whoa. whoa, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> I, I, I completely. I was just you the last that. minute putting that together. I go, oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> love is like whoa. What's well, funny? They don't even spell whoa. W h o a. They spell like it. You can thank the uh, world of hip hop for spelling it w o. Oh, my love is like whoa, whoa. It's not like whoa with a horse, uh, and love is like um, it's not. Popcorn, Skyboy, it's oxygen. Love is... Okay, thanks. Like, but you said it is also like popcorn. Yeah, salty. Get too much and you're high, not enough, and you're going to die. Whoa. Love is like oxygen. Holy cow. <laughs> actually, a poet and didn't uh, even know it. To anti-joke that, that's uh, actually if you get too much, you'll die. There's oxygen poisoning. You'll actually, <laughs> you can actually die. <sighs> Sorry. Nerd. Will you work with us here? <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't literal. We're talking metaphor. Oh, Sorry. My <sighs> See what I'm dealing with? And um, okay, so we're bringing on the expert after this break, and you're all going to have your questions about your boyfriends and your girlfriends, right? Cricket, cricket. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Well, Elisa Good- Goodwin Snell's coming up next. She's going to help us know when to hold them, when to fold them. You didn't do that one, did you? When to walk away, when no, to run. I, I hadn't even thought of all the card analogies. Well, we'll we're going to have you do it again then. We'll be back right after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just better to take things slow. So relax and enjoy the in-depth interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. In response to recent terrorist strikes, Israel has launched a full-on offensive against Hamas, killing a top commander in the Gaza region. Airstrikes and threats of a full-scale invasion of the Palestinian militant-controlled area have shattered hopes of a truce and further negotiations between the rival groups. The Iranian-funded militants who control the Gaza area have been stepping up rocket attacks into Israel for five straight days, which is what led Israeli officials to respond on a large scale. Tanks shelled Hamas security positions outside the city, while naval vessels did the same from the sea. President Obama has been briefed on the situation by the Israeli president, who says this is not meant as an escalation, but as a measure to stop any more aggression from Hamas. A new wave of anti-austerity measures is sweeping through the debt-stricken Eurozone countries as struggling governments continue to push for ways to cut back. Workers in Spain, Greece and Portugal coordinated protests today with demonstrations in Madrid becoming violent after police rushed rowdy crowds with billy clubs. Spanish factories were shut down and retail movement was very slow. The 5,000-strong march in Athens was largely peaceful and more marches are scheduled to continue throughout the day. Despite the strong effort for anti-austerity, some analysts are warning that the frequency of the marches is causing lawmakers to simply tune them out. 
President Barack Obama is pushing his tax plan harder than ever with the pending fiscal cliff forcing both parties to work quickly. In a White House press conference, the president said that voters prefer his tax plan over the Republican alternative and that he will not allow an extension of the Bush-era tax cuts, which he says economists tell him would have the least positive impact on the economy. Republicans seem increasingly likely to make a deal as the end-of-the-year deadline grows ever closer, as increasing revenue would help to dodge the deep automatic budget cuts that have the potential to throw the economy back into recession. Petitions in 40 states to secede from the union have been gaining support so rapidly that seven states have already reached levels that should prompt an official response from the Obama administration. The White House has set up a website called We the People for Petitions, which promises an official review and response if a petition receives over 25,000 signatures. The largely symbolic effort's main purpose is exemplified in the Texas version, which has over 100,000 supporters and expresses dissatisfaction with the federal government's inability to get control of the nation's spending. However, not all Texans are on board with the secession plan. A counterpetition from the state's largely liberal capital, Austin, calls for secession from Texas in order to stay in the United States. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about uh, your dating life. Now, again, some of you may be out there and you're married, you know, 30 years and your dating life's, you know, just your marriage. Uh, that sounds like it's not good. But it's great. It's just you don't need to you don't need to cut bait and uh, you don't need to get rid of anybody. So we're bringing on our expert, Elisa Goodwin-Snell, and she is a relationship coach, actually more a dating coach, author of seven books, has a website that's entitled, uh, it's not, no, no, let's get this right. It's your technique.com. It's your technique.com. But it's based on a, a, a some things she's written, a program she's put together that's called It's Not You, It's Your Technique. Right. Is that right, Elisa? Right. Mm-hmm. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. You ready for this fun episode? Absolutely. I was going to say, too, you mentioned, you know, for those couples who are married and yeah. they don't have to worry about dating anymore. I'm sure you've seen this in your, your yeah. practice, and I have 17 years of experience as right. marriage and family oh, we therapist. I forgot to tell you that. You've done this forever. Yeah. But with that, though, the couples who were going on regular dates weren't coming into our office. Right. How often do you see exactly. couples who are, are having eld no. marriages that come in and nope. say that their marriages are struggling, and dates with your spouse is infinitely cheaper than marriage counseling? Don't you think? And more fun. Uh, yeah, exactly. Plus, you get to see the latest Bond movie. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that so, worth it? So you should be dating for the rest of your life. You should date. and, and, and But only your wife. <laughs> yes. Then you don't need to cut anything. Yeah, exactly. I had that recently with one of my clients. Yeah. We had to decide which one we want. Oh, no. Yeah, you can't have two women in a relationship. <sighs> no, it's work. not a good idea. A little competition between women is not a good thing. <laughs> so true. Now, Elisa, here's what I want you to do. I've got a little uh, story put together by one of our producers, okay, who has some friends that have, you know, loved and lost and, you know, loved and lost, but they didn't know how to quit. Mm-hmm. And so Catherine Allen tells us of her friend's experience. And as you just listen to it, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about. Perfect. Love Lost and How to Cut Bait. Relationships are hard, 
Sometimes they start really slowly, they're hard to maintain, and sometimes it's just plain difficult to know whether or not you should continue the relationship or end it. So, when is it right to throw in the towel, admit defeat, quit while you're ahead, or just to cut bait and run? I think many of us have had a relationship, or even two, where we really wanted it to work out. We worked hard to be the supportive, caring, forgiving companion we thought the other person wanted. But for some reason or another, nothing seemed to work out. Things just seemed to get harder rather than easier. Perhaps you even drifted in and out of the relationship, or maybe the spark was just missing from the start. In any case, it's hard to admit that you lost. All of this talk reminds me of a friend of mine, Kate. Kate is awesome. And about four months ago, she cut bait with a boy she had been dating for about three years. Hers was one of those classic situations that started out all rainbows and sunshine. Nothing could have been better. But then they hit a few snags. Things got more difficult, and eventually they decided to break up. However, because they were so in love, about two weeks later they were back together. Only to break up again a couple of months later. After repeating this process two or three more times, my friend had finally had enough. And she echoed those words made famous by Taylor Swift. After echoing these words, life got better for her. She actually ended up meeting someone two months after breaking up with this boy she thought was perfect for her. Now she's in a new relationship and both her and her boyfriend couldn't be happier. Now I know not every cutting bait story ends so well. Ending anything after trying so hard to win is difficult. We've all heard fishermen tell the story about the one who got away. We've seen children cry after losing at the science fair. And let's admit it, we all hate losing, even if it's only in Scrabble. But cutting bait in a relationship usually isn't losing at all. It's actually winning winning freedom, and opening new doors. So perhaps Taylor Swift has it right. Sometimes you really do need to echo those words, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. And hopefully it won't take a pop song to convince you when it's time to cut bait or not. However, just know that sometimes cutting your losses, quitting while you're ahead, or even just throwing in the towel can actually be good for you. Yeah. Good work, Catherine. Great job. And when you put that song on by Taylor Swift, all the guys in the studio lit up. They love that song. <laughs> Didn't you guys? It's my favorite song. Love it. Bryce has got a tear. My, uh, well, that's a tear of blood. Uh, <laughs> Is that a blood just, tear? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to throw you off there. That was kind of weird. Um, I didn't know you guys liked Taylor Swift breakup songs. Neither did my tears. <laughs> <laughs> so this gets us to the point, Elisa. Elisa Snell's joining us. She is the relationship oh gosh the dating coach i'm the dating girl but you've been a marriage counselor you've seen it all yeah oh yeah and it's a tough thing it's there's something about letting one go even if it's not working that is really hard 
Well, and I think there's a lot of different reasons. Yeah. If you're in an abusive relationship, usually the person who's being abused is sacrificing the most for the relationship. Right. Yeah. So, or if you're in an addicted relationship where the other person is lying, cheating, mm-hmm. you know, being unfaithful in a we variety of ways, it, yeah. you know, then the person who is in that relationship is usually making most of the sacrifices right. to keep it going. So the problem with breaking up is the more deeply I sacrifice, the more deeply I love. Right. So, you know, these people are deeply bonded to the relationship and they've invested so much. It's like putting a thousand dollars into a slot machine and you just keep thinking, I've, I've given up my rent it's for a month. I mean, it's, the odds are there. Yeah, I'm just going to keep putting my <laughs> coins in and I'm going to get the big payout. And right. at some point you have to say, all right, $1,200 into it, $1,400 into it. I need to cut bait and walk yeah. away and, and stop the insanity. So I think when there's an abusive relationship, there's an addicted relationship, they've been unfaithful, there's dishonesty. Which, by the way, every one of them, unhealthy relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. So every so these are we're incapable are of cutting it, but they should be a no brainer because mm-hmm. we're addicted, we're unhealthy, it's abusive, and you might need help. I mm-hmm. mean, at this point, that it's really sign, hard to huh? walk away, especially yeah. if you've been in a in an abusive relationship. There's always emotional abuse, yeah. and and they, they undermine your self esteem, and they tell you you can't do it without them, and right. so you really kind of need to have some help to break those bonds that have bound you to them, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a much longer process, and it explains part of the reason why people will linger in insanity forever. Right. But you can do it; you can totally break the bond and you can move on and you can be appreciated by someone who well, I okay so I had one that uh, a client I was talking to where they didn't they didn't want to hurt so they had had an affair mm-hmm. but they want to stay with their wife and their family but the wife is seemingly cold apparently angry about mm-hmm. the affair mm-hmm. and the other the one they had had the affair with was so warm and just cozy mm-hmm. and he could do nothing wrong there and he didn't want to hurt her Mm, he'd had the affair, he had had so the he affair. already did hurt her. He, exactly. <laughs> he, no, he, it's interesting. He didn't want. Yeah, he didn't want to hurt the one he had the affair with to break oh. it off. Yet the wife doesn't want to work on it because you're not in. So mm. they're having this battle, and you sit there, and anyone on the outside can look at it and say, "This is just insanity." Up. Yeah, this is so messed up. It takes personal responsibility. Two people have to be invested in the process. And right. granted, she probably has a lot of reasons that she would cite yeah. for why she doesn't trust him right. anymore and why she doesn't feel safe and secure in the relationship. So why should I invest? But the reality is, is, is it working for either one no. of them? At some point, she has to say, this isn't healthy and I either need to reinvest and reengage and yeah. work towards forgiving and so that we both can thrive again or we need to, to reevaluate and, and be proactive. People yeah. who are passive in the process never feel passionate about their partner. And so I see that a lot where people are coming in and they're saying, I'm with this great girl. I'm dating this amazing person. She's perfect in this and this and this way, but I don't feel an emotional connection to her. There's a lot of factors that contribute to that. But one thing I always see is that they're passive in the way they are engaged in the relationship. Yeah, they're they're kind of like on the defensive side of the relationship. Yeah, they do the bare minimum. They do the bare minimum. They call her at 10 o'clock at night instead of in the middle of the day. And, And there's a variety of contributors uh-huh. that contribute to that, but being passive is never going to get you the passion you're looking for. You know, it's interesting because when I hear of the the whole thing about um, cutting bait, I, okay, so I just remember fishing and there's a time where you think you have a fish on, mm-hmm. but really you're, stuck, you're stuck to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And once you're hooked up on something, you can pretend like it's the big catch mm-hmm. and you can even work it for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but in reality... It's just an illusion. Right. Don't you just think a lot of our relationships are just such an illusion? Like the guy that's not calling you till 10 o'clock at night is telling you passively – 
I'm not, not into in. you. Yeah. yeah, I'm not that into you. And I think the truth is what matters. Right. And coming to terms with the truth and we rationalize and we deny and we ignore and we avoid and we do all sorts of things that keep us in bad relationships. Right. And sometimes we just need to, to face the truth and move forward, which sometimes can be simple adjustments. You know, I'm seeing that maybe he's not as invested and so I need to back off a little bit yeah, because the person Yeah, the person who has the least amount invested has the greatest amount of control. Right. So the person who cares the least controls the most. Right. And so as long as I care the most, he has all the control. So I need to back off and let him step forward and and give him space to see if he's going to step yeah. forward. And if he doesn't, someone else will and I can move on. See, and that takes a huge amount of self-confidence. And that, faith. And faith that, you know what? Or And also, we always think it's about us. Mm-hmm. Like, they're obviously rejecting me when really they could just be – dealing with their own junk. Well, and and part of it, too, is if I make it about me, then I feel like I have some amount of control. So if it's about me and it's my fault, then I can be better. I can be more perfect. I can lose some weight. I can read a bunch of books and I'm going to get the outcome that I'm looking for because I can control me. I can't control me, but I can't control my partner. And at some point I have to stop making it about me and perfecting myself. And I have to look at them and see what are they saying Mm -hmm. on their own and make it a two-part process. They need to be involved and engaged, too, instead of always me fixing me or worrying about me or beating myself up. Yeah. Do you see this everywhere in your dating coaching? I see it a lot. And it's part of what I teach with the whole dating system. Like I teach guys by the third date how to see if a woman's invested. You know, simple little things that they can ask. Yeah, because if she's not invested and she's not sacrificing and participating in the process, he could be falling into the good for now trap. He could be falling into the too nice trap. He could be that guy that three years into a relationship finally has to say, wow, whenever I express my feelings or needs, she disengages. She doesn't respond. She doesn't remember. And he needs to discover that at date three and along the way, not three years into it because he's been the too nice guy for so long that he's finally trying to come to terms with the truth. Can you back out of these? I mean, so like if they mislabel you early, Mm -hmm. if you're like, if you're somehow identified as the too nice guy, is that changeable? The problem with the too nice guy is women are attracted to strength and confidence. So we need to see that he acts strong and confident. He needs to express his feelings, needs, and opinions. He actually needs to say no to us sometimes. And if we don't see that he can do that, we lose faith and trust in him and respect for him. So a guy who's let that go on, he's been the doormat. He's been too accommodating. He's been there for all of her needs while she's out dating other guys and putting him off Mm -hmm. and putting him off forever for commitment. The guy who's put up with that for a long time, it's going to be hard for her to see him as a strong and confident guy. He's going to have to work at this for like three or four months and change his behavior. And then she might start to see, wow, I really do need to respect him. Or just get a red Porsche. <laughs> and a couple of other women to go and with it. Leather. And then maybe she'll Boom! want him she'll more. She'll be back in. <laughs> the old Porsche trick works every time. What else? Uh, what else? As we as we talk about the what else stops us from like being realistic about the data? Like, why am I not more real that he doesn't seem in? You know, I think part of it is we, we're we afraid of the truth, you know, and yeah. it hurts. And we're afraid, what does that say about me? And we're also keep thinking, I could do more. Maybe I haven't done this. Yeah. Maybe I haven't done that. Yeah. So I think some of it is, is our own doubts and insecurities about whether or not we've done our part. And once you've invested enough, again, it goes back to that slot machine. You know, the more you keep putting in, the more you keep thinking that payout is, <laughs> you know, I can just see yeah. that this machine, if I walk away, the very next person who sits down is going to get the big yeah. payout. And I think that's the other thing that keeps people in is their worry about if I leave this relationship, he's going to turn around and he's going to marry the next girl he dates because yes. I'm, I'm the one I who got, got him, him. Yeah, I got him the skills. I got him comfortable with a relationship. I got to hang in there because I don't want him to be happier with someone mm-hmm. else. Do you think that 
is there is there a timeline like you know, six years seems too long to wait. Uh, <laughs> the same person. <laughs> and maybe two weeks or two dates seems too early. Right. I My personal opinion is a lot of people say if they're not ready to, you know, be engaged by one year, they should, they should you know, cut bait now. I'm yeah. not of that opinion. Anywhere between one year and two years, but I don't give more than a year and a half to two years to a relationship without an engagement ring. It yeah. just, it, it's wasting your time. Um, and at some point they have to decide whether or not they're going to Does the ring need to have a date? I think for it to be really meaningful, there needs to be a date Otherwise, we're working it's just towards. jewelry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. I want to take a break. But when we come back, uh, I really want to get into how do you know when you're just picky? Yeah. <laughs> and how do you know when, uh, you know, maybe you're settling? Right. Okay. Because I hear that a lot. Like, I'm not going to settle. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, well, Okay. You've been at this 30 years. Well, and and there are those that are just too picky, and yeah. they cut bait really early in the process. Yeah. They don't linger for six years. They're hardly getting into three months into the relationship, and they're cutting I'm bait not, a lot. Yeah, and they cut it out, mm-hmm. and they're done. Okay, we're going to come back. We're going to figure out, are you settling in your relationships, or are you just too picky? We're talking to Elisa Snell uh, from itsyourtechnique.com. Go check it out. She's got an entire program there to help you if you're dating or if you know somebody that's struggling. It's a great Christmas present, by the way, and she's giving incredible discounts. Go check it out. It's your We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Can a fusion-powered rocket get us to Mars in weeks instead of years? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Manned missions to other planets in our solar system have a tough barrier, the time it takes to get anywhere in space using only chemical rocket engines. A large part of a two-year round trip to Mars would be spent coasting there and back in low-energy fuel-saving transfer orbits required by the limitations of chemical rockets. And windows for those orbits are rare. Miss one, and you wait another two years. There must be faster ways to travel those distances. Finding breakthroughs that could revolutionize space exploration is a driving force behind NIAC, the NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Program which is run by the Office of the Chief Technologist at NASA. One of the NIAC investigations looks at the viability of nuclear fusion to power a rocket for thrust, as well as to generate electrical power at the same time. The study looks at using magnetic fields in the engine nozzle to capture electricity from the engine's escaping plasma jet. Such a rocket could fly faster, more direct paths to other planets, saving months of travel. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Go Cougars! Re- roller Coaster by Red Hot Chili Peppers. That is your love favorite song. Love Roller Coaster. Oh, sorry. Love Roller Coaster. That's your favorite song? It's one of my favorite songs. I, I, Red Hot Chili Peppers are my favorite band ever. Are they really? Yes. I love them. 
You need to settle down. <laughs> and I, love I haven't seen that much excitement out of you forever. You don't really know me then, Matt. Wow, we just need to play more Red Hot Chili Peppers. We're back with Elisa Goodwin-Snell, uh, who has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. She is a dating coach, author of seven books, and runs and owns the website itsyourtechnique.com. It's not you, it's your technique. That's her theory on that site that, you know what, we're not all messed up. It's just your technique needs a little tweakage. Yep. yep. That's good. And you've got this really cool program. Um, we're doing an interview here. Uh, hello. <laughs> we're doing an interview here. Oh, yeah. He just thought, anyway, that was Skyboy. <laughs> he needed more. <laughs> Skyboy got a text <laughs> message and then he went you to Red to Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Nothing. You're good. We're just going to do our interview now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it's really hard once they, you know, you, once they get hijacked by chemistry, they mm. just lose their mind. Well, I can I can preview music on here, so I was listening to. You thought you were listening to it, but no, we were... I was listening to music and you interrupted. Oh, so. sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just don't do that again. Well, that music was going out of the air. <laughs> okay. No, it wasn't. I'm going to get back to it. <sighs> sorry about that. Where were we? Um, you got a really great little program yes. with books, audios. Videos, uh, videos, guides, yeah. DVD. You got the whole deal because this dating thing's a big deal, right? It, it, you know, it, it's one of the biggest things that we deal with in our lives. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, it's the thing we want. It's mm-hmm. this, it's the, it's the thing we want, and yeah. it's not coming to us. Well, very when easily. you're not getting a relationship, oftentimes you feel like a failure. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And that's why I try to reaffirm: it's not you. It's, it's not your you. technique. You just need to understand how to approach the dating process more effectively. Because when you think it's you, you act desperate oh, and needy right. and unattractive, and you so, do everything wrong. Yeah, and you turn people off. Mm-hmm. So you just need to know it's not me. I, yeah, what I did looked like stalking behavior, yeah. but I can change that hey. behavior. I'm not a creepy you know what? guy. It's a know? court order. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I can get I can, past it. Who can't yeah. get past the court yeah. order? I've got a great attorney, and you can't prove what I did. Oh, that is so so scary. So, yeah, so there's lots we do in the dating process that just doesn't work out for us. Maybe one of the biggest might be just are we too picky, and or are we just, you know, are we not knowing what we want? What is it that makes us give up too easily or settle too much? Well, I think sometimes you don't know what it is you want. So one of the first things I do in the dating system is I have people create a top 10 list and I have them prioritize what is most important because a lot of times they'll be in a great relationship and but there's this one little thing right. that bugs it's them and then, they, and then they cut bait because yeah. of this one little thing. My husband did that on several occasions with girls when he was in his 20s and a, a lot of his friends said he was shallow how because he would cut bait <laughs> over the smallest things yeah. like one girl she would do this when she would drink and it bugged him because you know she would do it all the time that made somebody a lot of money <laughs> that is a good sound so she it's just little things like that another girl he broke up with because she didn't know how to sing and he always wanted to be with someone who knew how to sing he had to have a singer. so he's obviously distracted by some very insignificant things mm-hmm. so I have I have people create a top 10 list to figure out what it, exactly are they looking for because until they know what they're looking for they yeah. won't value and appreciate it even if it's right in front of them and if it, yeah it could hit them over the face and they still don't know Right, or, be, or they get or they get caught up on the one thing they don't have. Well, I wanted, yeah, I, uh, that's a given, but this other thing would have been good right. Too. And then I have them come back to because in the process I have them evaluate what's on their top ten, and then when they're dating people and they say, you know, but there's this issue, and I'm not sure. I'm like, where was that on your top ten? I also have them create so there's two, four cal- columns basically. Mm-hmm. The one through five is the non-negotiables. What do you know you absolutely need in order to feel a connection with somebody and for them to be right for you? The six through ten is a work in progress. Mm. What are you know? Are, as long as they're progressing in this area, are you okay with yeah. them in that 
way. Then there's the issues I can give to God box. What are the things I can give away? Because the reality is, and you know this yeah. in marriage, there are so many little things that can start annoying you so much uh, in a marriage, whether yeah. it's socks on the table or, you know, just little dishes here and there, right. whatever it is once you're married. If you don't know how to give away issues and give it up and let, let it, it go, go, then you're going to go crazy. Totally. And forgiveness is so important in, in any relationship. So you need to be practicing that when you're single yeah. because you won't have the skills when you're married if you're not practicing them now. It seems like, too, you'd get more entrenched in this thinking. So if you don't correct it or at least see what I like about yours is it's kind of this methodical way. Organize uh, it. And just start and just start processing. You're just trying to process some of these thoughts, give them a place to hang it. But versus just letting it keep flipping over and in your head. Let me give you an example. I had a great client who she'd been working on these concepts for a while. And she goes on this date with this guy and she had. Are you at it again? (laughs) Oh, my heavens. So. He's at it again. (laughs) You've got to let that song go. (laughs) Skyboy. Let it go. The button's broken. Yeah. That is the oldest. These buttons. (laughs) Whatever. Take a lap. Take a lap. So this client of mine, she, um, she's she been going through the system for a while. She goes on a date with this guy, and she says, he fit everything on my top 10 list. He's great in this and this and this and this way. But honestly, I would never go on another date with him again. And I said, why? You know, what was yeah. it? And she said he had really bad breath. And there are so many singles oh that heavens. these kinds of issues Mentos. are the reason why. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, okay, it's six dates. The goal of the first six weeks of dating is to have fun, make them feel great, and practice great techniques, mm-hmm. you know? And, Check and, their breath. And practice good relationship That's skills so, because you're uh, going to need them later. So I'm mm-hmm. like, go, just go on up to six dates with him. And after six dates, we'll look at compatibility and whether or not the bad breath is bothering you so much That's that you want to bait, you know, cut yeah. bait at that point. Well, she gets to date four or five, and she calls me, and she's like, he is amazing in so many different ways. He, we can get dental procedures to fix that. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. There's gum. There's all sorts of solutions. So by prioritizing what you're yeah. looking for and staying focused on that and learning to give some issues away and let go, that's the only way you're going to be able to Such stay in a relationship. Advice. Well, and really, I agree. And they don't even – you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that would have been so easy for her to just cut it. Yeah. Well, she's married to him now. And that's the thing. And she's happily married. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, too. We're not hearing enough stories of how great marriage yeah, is. And guys right. tend to look at marriage as a burden yeah. and additional responsibility. Mm-hmm. So they're not anxious to get married and add the ball right. and chain. No, Women tend to look at relationships as a blessing. We think of all the things that relationships are going to yeah. add to our lives. And part of this perpetuation towards looking at relationships or marriage as a burden is because so few people are talking about what's great about right. being married. Exactly. I love waking up next to my husband. I love having those yeah, where do you hear that? You just don't yeah. hear that. Check Facebook out. You don't hear that. Yeah. And, and, and news is full of all the bad yeah. examples. So, you know, overall, we really need to be focusing on what's great about relationships. I, I think you're dead on. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, though, I, I want to get into some more tools, some more solutions, maybe figure out how we know we've got the perfect match. What are some other things we could do? Um, plus, uh, I just want to hear a little bit more about your how you, your program works because really it's uh, – if you're out there and wondering – if you're a parent sitting there thinking, how on earth do I get my child to quit being so picky? This might be a great thing to look up. Uh, maybe your kid's Christmas present has arrived. Another sweater. You know, I mean, That's they can they do without the sweater. sweater. Exactly. Yeah. Instead, go to itsyourtechnique.com and you'll see Elisa Goodwin-Snell there. And uh, just you'll get more of her ideas. It's a wonderful place to go. We'll be back with more of Elisa Snell and our dating coach right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Listen to New York Times number one best-selling authors Richard and Linda Iyer as they discuss the topic they've written 25 books about, parenting in the modern world. Listen to their tips on Ayers on the Road, Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. On senior night in Provo, BYU dominated the Idaho Vandals. They lob for the end zone, Hoffman makes a juggling catch for a touchdown! What a grab by Cody Hoffman! With just two games remaining and bowl eligibility in hand, BYU travels to California looking to make a statement against the 8-2 Spartans of San Jose State. BYU football versus San Jose State. This Saturday on BYU Radio. Kickoff scheduled for 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on your home for Cougar Sports. Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As recovery from Hurricane Sandy continues, the Federal Emergency Management Agency is eyeing the possibility of a federal bailout for its flood insurance as claims for assistance are on track to be quadruple the program's capacity. Top FEMA officials are describing the amount of claims pouring in as staggering as cleanup efforts continue. The flood insurance wing of FEMA received a bailout in 2005 after the Katrina disaster, but that left the program with a debt of just under $18 billion, which no one expects will ever be repaid. Now the expectation is that the Department of Homeland Security will ask for the agency's debt ceiling to be raised to over $20 billion in order to help pay for Sandy relief. Shortly after resigning his post as head of the CIA due to a recently uncovered sex scandal, General David Petraeus has agreed to still testify before Congress in regards to the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Libya. Petraeus was exposed in an affair last week by an FBI investigation, which has now expanded to look at the relationship between one of the women involved and General John Allen, who is the top U.S. commander in Afghanistan. Officials in Congress who are waiting on Petraeus's testimony are now also requesting a full timeline of the FBI investigation in order to better understand when their work can move forward. One of the biggest concerns surrounding the Petraeus case is now the discovery of sensitive information on the computer of the general's mistress. President Barack Obama has stepped in now, assuring no evidence has been presented showing classified information was leaked. But the FBI officials who searched the home says say there is substantial amounts of sensitive information on the computer that should have been stored more securely. The investigation into how she got the information in the first place is ongoing as federal officials probe further into the matter. The president also remarked that while no compromising evidence has been produced thus far, he is also not prejudging further investigations. Top Republican lawmakers have vowed to do everything in their power to block Susan Rice from taking over as the secretary of state after Hillary Clinton leaves the post. Republican John McCain says that Rice's role in the response to the Benghazi attack, which killed four Americans, should exclude her from the promotion. 
She is currently serving as the U.N. ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. President Barack Obama says the criticism of Rice is unjustified and in a press conference said that Republicans should focus their dissatisfaction about what happened in Libya on him alone. So far, Rice has not been officially announced as the nomination for secretary of state, but is widely considered to be the frontrunner. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody. Firehouse, uh, love of a lifetime. And you have not lived till you've seen my producer, Rob Sanders, lip syncing, I hope. I can't hear. He's in a booth where he's. But he was in there screaming. I've never seen more energy. Well, we found one of my favorite songs. I think we found Rob's. I think we. I think, I think we're we in his, the niche here. Roberts. I think this is this is where the love is. We're with Elisa Snell, who is the founder of itsyourtechnique.com. She's put together a dating program to help you uh, kind of know when to hold them, when to fold them, how to know you found the right person. And Elisa, um, how do we know? How do we know? Like Rob just got all jazzed up about finding the love of his lifetime. How do we know when this is the one? Well, I think there's several things. One is once I have my clients create a top 10 10 list of what they're looking for, that's a good indication because we want to look at compatibility. Compatibility has always made a difference in longevity. Like some of those sites use compatibility. Oh, absolutely. And so the more compatible we are, the better the longevity of the relationship, you know, and we want to stack the odds in predictable ways. You know, it's terrible to talk about possibilities. Anything is possible. But really what's reality is what's probable. Mm -hmm. And if you're you're pretty compatible in some important ways, you have a pretty good possibility of making it work. Um, or probability of making it work. So I have them look at their top 10 list. And then if they're having fun, I mean, if this is just so much work to maintain the relationship, that's a warning signs on so many different levels. I mean, either their technique is way off or they're just really toxic or, you know, there's so many just different elements that make a relationship a drudgery instead of a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so probably the first thing is how compatible are you? Um, And then just how much fun do you have? And I think sometimes women forget that. They think about relationships and they know relationships are supposed to be work. And you just work through the hard times. Yeah. But what are we working through the hard times for if we're not having right. fun? You know, if you don't smile at me and touch me and right. act like you and like me. And it should me, be natural. I mean, yeah. I guess that's one downside to all of this is that a lot of times, I guess, we're making lists and we're doing all these things. But at some point, it should also just be natural. It should kind of – I mean, it, it doesn't have to be like every part of it natural. But – you don't want to feel like you're working at right. it all the time. You know, That's and a I, lot of work. I just have fun with my husband, totally. you know? And yeah, there are those moments when we have to work mm-hmm. on our relationship. But for the most part, he's just my best friend yep. and he's my pal and I enjoy being with him and I enjoy conversation. And I think when you have that combination of good compatibility and we enjoy each other, that makes a difference. Yeah. I need to kind of say relative to that, though, sometimes this is about technique, too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes women come into relationships and they have some really unhealthy and flawed ideas mm-hmm. about how to approach relationships. And if they understand the importance of smiling at him, touching right. him, saying how much you appreciate him, looking at him and, and tilting your head a little bit and saying, oh, thank you. All those little things are so rein- reinforcing to the male psychology. Right. And if men understand what it means when a guy pursues a woman and invests in her and he calls her in the middle of the day just to say, oh, I was just thinking about you and wanted you to know how beautiful you are. Yeah. All those little wow. things make a big difference in building. Are you building- listening, Skyboy? 
Yes. <laughs> this is important. You weren't, were you? <laughs> no, I was. You need to focus. Call this is her, good tell her how pretty she is. He no? was texting the girl that yeah, he but, likes with that. You know, let's, <laughs> just, let's just have fun with him. He, um, you're supposed to tilt your head. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I, not him. He squares the shoulders. Oh, Keep shoot. the chin up. Let's have him tilt his head. That would have been well, so funny. You know, I, but then he could practice handling rejection well. That's, That's another true. thing I teach. See, <laughs> you need to focus, man. Okay. This I'm can focusing. help. But when the girl is tilting her head, now you'll know it's because she likes you. Okay. Or she has whiplash. <laughs> Or she, she likes him. Pain. Or she likes you. Let's yeah. go with that. That seems better. <laughs> so it's, uh, I mean, it really is. Those are techniques. Now, some of those would say those are just natural techniques. They're natural to some, but they're not natural no. to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I teach it. Because so a lot of times when people are in a dating process, they do things without realizing they're doing them. Right. And they're working. Yeah. But other people aren't picking up on those clues. And then they're wondering, why does nobody ask me out? Why mm-hmm. is nobody getting a second and third date for, with me? Or, or I, return, I call them and they don't return my calls. So a lot of times you need somebody to help break it down and to make it really specific. And, and a lot of people have probably forgotten because they've been in marriages. They've, they've kind of – they've been in a different level of a relationship. They weren't in like the capturing phase. Right. They were in the captured phase. Captured, comfortable, yeah. and now lazy. And if you've been there for 15 years and then you get a divorce, you're supposed to go back to naturally – well, and, and you need sometimes a good reminder of what it means to the opposite sex, because right. that's the big deal. We want to make meaningful connections with the opposite sex, not meaningful connections that just work naturally between man to man, woman to woman. I right. mean, it's very different when you're trying to reach out to the opposite sex. And so sometimes we have to think beyond ourselves and become better educated and, and be a little bit more humble and teachable yeah. so that we can reach out and make those meaningful connections. And that means if you've been out of the game for a long time, you need to you need to you know, learn these let's, things yeah. so that you can make let's it, go make fig- that Let's connection. go learn. In fact, learning to me seems like a really empowering move because now all of a sudden, instead of just sitting there hoping yeah. or just, you know, going online and throwing the lures out, uh, wouldn't it be great to know that not only were you good at getting them on the line, but keeping them on the line, deciding when to let them go? I mean, there's a lot to it and it would be empowering. Well, and to actually see and recognize the signs that they're sending back. And then also for some of those women, too, you know, body language means a lot. And they don't realize how much they're actually sending off messages that say, I'm not interested, even though they're interested. And so, you know, to be able to read the signs of the other person and to appropriately respond, but also to know what your body language is saying so that you can keep their interest. So when we're going to that idea of how do you know when it's the perfect match, I think there is no real perfect match. Mm. And, um, you know, it's more about the combination and your willingness to invest. I mean, you think about the depth of the relationship you have with your wife. I mean, you feel a lot more for her now than you did when oh, you yeah. married her. It's it's through experience. And so yeah. sometimes it's about having enough faith that you move forward with what you have and right. you're more of your more of a part of the process than expecting someone else to have to be. So we look for that perfect match that doesn't exist out there. Yeah. But what about me? What am I bringing to the equation that makes me a great match to this? What am I adding that is going to help us get there? That's I, what that's a, that's such a great Great question. That's I just asked that to a group of singles where they had made a list of everything they wanted. And then I asked them, how many of you are bringing that to the show? How many of you are bringing this list? I mean, literally, like you're bringing all of these 10 things. Or were you hoping that this person would complete you yeah. in this and area? And that you're waiting and, for them to yeah. fill in the gaps. And, and, that was and that's like not attractive. I remember a client of mine. She was probably 50, maybe 60 pounds overweight. And, you know, we were, we were trying to kind of work on the weight, but also her online profile. And she just she was going for the guys and interested in the guys who were not overweight. And so I was asking her, what about the guys who are 
overweight. And she's like, I'm just not attracted to men who are overweight. Such a contradiction here. Isn't that she's wanting someone to be attracted to her yeah. when she's overweight, but she recognizes that that's not attractive. Oh my heavens. I've had a client that had um, a disability, like it was cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't want to date a blind woman. Yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but yeah, she's beautiful and she is so into you. And oh my oh. heavens, she just adores you. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no. But again, it goes back to that passive. The more passive I am in the process, the more I don't care. So go back, going yeah. back to the fishing analogy, if I've just got my fishing pole off the edge of the yeah. boat, I'm not investing in trying to catch the fish. I'm not trying to use different lures. I'm not putting any effort into it. And then I get a tug and I'm like, oh, it's inconvenient because I've got my next song yeah. coming on. I don't want right. to deal with it. So I just now. let it go. Yeah. you know. And so the more involved I am, the more invested I am, the more I'm going to value and appreciate it. And the more I'm going to get something back. That's meaningful too. Being mm-hmm. passive is such a problem in the process, and which is why maybe it's, it's be good. someone else. I think that's true. Maybe that's why you need there to be a little fight well, from the fish. Yeah. I mean, the fish keeps you involved. If all of a sudden you just get a fish on, and you don't have to reel it in because it's not going to pull your pole out of the water, then. Um, you know, eventually you'll pull it, you'll reel it in, and when you reel it in, it'll just be a half-eaten carp. Right. But if you've got one that's fighting a little bit, that's creating a little tension, all of a sudden it gets your attention, and it's a great way to build some skills. One of the 17 secrets to the male and female psychology, so I talk about this in the dating system. And for those who go to my website, it's yourtechnique.com. Uh-huh. So it's yourtechnique.com, and you sign up for my email list, you'll immediately get um, something called the five steps to quality dating, and then a handout as well on the 17 secrets. So this is a great way to, to learn. Great. More. But one of the 17 secrets is men um, are driven to pursue, face challenges, compete, and conquer. They really need that pursuit. And they also like women who express their feelings, needs, and opinions. That's yeah. so much more attractive. And they work well together because if I express my feelings, needs, and opinions, there's a little bit of a pushback, especially if I don't do it in a way that's criticism, nagging, or whining, which right. repels men, another yeah. one of the 17 secrets. But if I show faith and trust in him, which is secret number one to the male psychology, so we're getting a lot in here. Yeah. Um, if I show faith and trust in him while also expressing my my feelings, needs, and opinions, that makes me more of a challenge. It makes me more attractive. It makes me look like a woman who likes myself, another secret to the male psychology. Mm-hmm. So all of those things make the game the game more fun. Yeah. And I don't mean to compare dating to a game, but, but you need to game. understand I mean, that real. men like games, men totally. like entertainment, men like challenges, men yeah. like sports, men like so many things that involve a challenge. And- Just don't spike the ball. That's all we're saying. <laughs> we, we like all of that, but if you break up with us, don't spike anything. Exactly. Don't <laughs> hurt us in the process. That's really painful. And so all of those things come down to improving your technique and understanding the opposite sex. And if it's, if it's too much fun, you know, if it's not fun, of course, people aren't going to keep doing it. So you need to understand the importance of, of helping men to have fun in the process too. But same t- same way, if a woman all of a sudden comes on strong and starts pursuing a guy, it's like the worm trying to swim yeah. into the mouth of the fish. Trying the fish wrestle. is going to spit it out. I'm going right? to wrestle that fish. Yeah. Or yeah. the doe that comes and tries to hunt down the hunter. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. There's got to be good techniques. Are you techniques. looking for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you just freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to. You're supposed to run for me when I wear the orange. Yeah. It's so true though, isn't it? It's like it's not... It's counterintuitive. And, and I guess there might be some hunters that like that. And, you know, they just have the, the, the elk hop up in the back of the truck right. and then shoot them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look can at you, it. Can you shoot yourself for me so I don't yeah. have to go through yeah, the hassle? Yeah, you know what? Can you just take this pill? Yeah. Gun But who me. wants that meat? Right. You know, they're not exactly. going to eat the meat later. And, and so there's, you know, it's, it's, it's just understanding the dating process. It's, a, it's something that we, I think that's the problem is we think it's so natural but there's a lot of psychology behind it. And there's a lot. I mean, we also think it shouldn't be a game, except it's all a game when you're dating. 
Well, it, you you know, if you don't mean? have strategy, mm-hmm. then you're going to end up making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, whether you like it or not, if you think of, of dating as being like a football game, yeah. you know, if I go out on the field in the middle of a football game, I'm going to get trampled. Mm-hmm. But if I go out on the field and I know how to play and I understand the plays and I understand how it works and I have the proper gear on, I can have a whole lot of fun. That's right. And so you just need to understand the strategy or you're going to get hurt. And, yeah. and if someone can help you figure that out along the way, all the better. So, you know, going back to this idea of who's your match, yeah. part of that strategy is to realize that you've got to play your part in the process. Right. And because you're not going to appreciate whatever falls in front of you if you're not actively searching for it, working for it, investing in it, um, and making it a priority in your life. This passive idea of it happening for you is not going to work. Well, or I would even say, or that there's some site that's going to make it happen, mm-hmm. like... So many people are going to these match sites and, and the and the dating sites thinking that, oh, I'll just invest my money and then boom, it'll just be – but there's a side to this that you either know how to relate mm-hmm. or you don't. Well, and it's got to go from the internet to actual face-to-face right? contact. Exactly. And if you don't know how to make the other person feel great when you're face-to-face, mm-hmm. they're not going to continue to be interested. And in then you. if you don't know how once you're face-to-face to get it – to higher levels of commitment, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Then once you're committed and in a marriage, if you don't know how to then resolve stuff and deal with stuff, I mean, th- there's no out. There's no out. You've got to go through. But everything that matters to us takes takes work and effort. And right. for those who have had kids, I mean, we sacrifice so much more for our kids without thinking about it. You yeah, know, you totally. you just do it because you love them and you're just, you're proud of them and you, you the investment is very natural. Well, no, duh, we are so much more loyal to our kids sometimes than our own spouse. And if we're passive with our spouse, no wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're so much more involved with our kids. And that's a secret to why we love them so deeply. Love is deeply connected to sacrifice. And um, we don't, you know, in the dating world, that's just as essential as it is in parenting world or the marriage world or huge. Well, and some of it's about technique, too. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, if you're a parent and you're watching your kids struggle and, you know, this can be a good time to buy them something a lot more efficient (laughs) and effective in getting your grandkids down the road. Plus, it's about confidence. And, uh, you know, a a lot of the concepts I teach, if they understand the principles behind it, the actions aren't that hard to do. Because if I believe in the principles and I understand, wow, you know, it's really about making her feel great and I can make her feel great in this and this way. And then you see what it actually does. You act that way. And her expression changes and her reaction to you changes and you feel like a million bucks and you feel like success. And what a great gift to be able to give to oh, your kids. Oh, it's huge. And, the, and it's to me, it's also it's confidence. So knowledge is confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. And what if we could gain our knowledge from that instead of just instead of just trying to be confident with the fact that we happen to have found somebody great? What if we could be confident because we know how to actually make it great? Exactly. Well, and sometimes, too, when we wait to find somebody, then once we actually find them, we feel so much pressure not to lose yeah. that oh. or to ruin it. And uh-huh. so then you end up doing funny, silly things, you know, because you're so worried things. about whether or not you're going to lose her. That's and if so you true. know beforehand what's going to make a meaningful impression, what's going to make a meaningful connection, you're going to feel more confident when the time comes. It's good stuff. Elisa Goodwin-Snell. You can find her information at itsyourtechnique.com. It's not you. It's your technique. It's your technique.com. And there is her entire program and uh, just a lot of videos. You can sign up for her online email program as well, or her email program, and she'll send you all these free things. She's been talking about it. Thanks so much Thank for you joining for us. Me. Good stuff. You get it? We, uh, we learned a lot. We learned an awful lot. So go check her out at itsyourtechnique.com. We'll be back with uh, a wrap up 
of today's show right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Mining for heavy metals? Forget the machines and bring on the bacteria. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Mining for metal ores is a dirty and expensive business. It can leave behind a lot of valuable material as well as toxic waste. But a process called biomining uses specially bred bacteria to eat the metals from the rock and even purify contaminated soil. Where do these little miners come from? From a group of bugs called extremophiles, organisms that evolved over millions of years to survive in and on toxic materials because it's all they could find to eat. They've been used by humans since ancient Romans mined and refined copper. Instead of smelting ores and breaking rocks, a soup made of extremophiles can separate metal from rock at up to 90% efficiency. Today, companies use biomining to work on sites unsuitable for mechanical methods. They crossbreed the organisms for specific work, like removing toxic metals or chemicals from contaminated soil. NASA even uses biomining bugs to help clean up contaminated soil around old rocket factories. But they also look at extremophiles scientifically as models for possible alien life forms. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we are talking about when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, when to run. <sighs> you didn't have that song, Skyboy. I don't even know that song, Matt. Okay. I, that's that's well, your generation. Why don't you just play more Taylor Swift, then? Never Please. mind, don't. Please don't. Uh, because uh, we're going to go right to Bryce's little bit here. Now, Bryce is sitting here with me, but, you know, Bryce always takes a, a completely different take on everything we do. I don't know if it's intentional or if you're just completely off. Either or. I mean, as long as everyone has fun. (laughs) Either way, at least we're taking the other side of the story. So are we really paying attention to the ways our relationships affect the people around us? Well, Bryce has some thoughts that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. You can't always date a winner, right? Look, that's just how life works. Normally, you don't date many winners anyway, because once you do, you marry them. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You're currently dating someone, and you're wondering if things are going somewhere, or if the person you're dating is just dead weight. While we're asking these questions, we need to figure out who we're really affecting. You might be sitting there contemplating your future, your significant other's future, your potential offspring, and things of that nature. But there you go again, being so inconsiderate to the people who are being affected the most. That's right, you're friends. You wouldn't think that we're the most important and the most affected, but then again you never do think about us, do you, you selfish coupley people? 
You see, you approach this whole relationship with only yourself in mind, and now you want to drag us into the mess? Let me tell you why I take issue with this. First off, you make us watch this train wreck. You always insist on keeping us up to date on how events are unfolding, although I think unraveling would be the better verb for what we're talking about, but whatever. Then again, I guess this constant updating can be partially my fault for posing the question, how are things going with so-and-so? But that's a minor detail. Really, I'm just looking for a one-word reply. Preferably something negative so I can jump in and tell you what I really think about your less-than-impressive significant other. But once the door is opened, you go on and on about everything, and while you're talking, you don't notice the red flags like we do, because your viewpoint is tainted by infatuation. And this brings me to my next point. As your friend, we aren't allowed to offer criticism. Never mind the fact that we've been here longer than this usurper and we deserve something like squatter's rights. But we should be able to tell you what's up without being accused of interfering or being told that we don't understand or that we're an outsider and that we don't know what we're talking about. Remember, we are your friends. We know the embarrassing stories that you never want your significant others to know. So don't go calling us an outsider. But then let's say you do notice one of these red flags. If the past is any indication, you probably won't. But in a magical, hypothetical world, let's say you ask us what we think of so-and-so. I think this moment is the greatest test of a friendship. You just put us in the worst possible position because you're really asking one of two questions, but there's no way to know which one. Maybe you're asking for some real feedback. Maybe. But experience tells me you just want us to give you a list of reasons why you shouldn't break up with this person. Oh, and lest we forget, if we don't give you what you're looking for, you get mad at us. Look, I'm all for being supportive, but I gotta draw the line somewhere. And self-destructive relationships are one of them. And you know what? I don't have to feel bad about that. Deal with it. Your friends, we're the ones who really matter. Because we're the ones who are gonna be there to help clean up this mess you've made. And I'm not bitter about this. Promise. So before you start dating someone, please seriously consider how it's gonna affect your friends. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Wow, you nailed it. <laughs> are you sure? I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think about a relationship that way. A lot of them are very selfishly thinking about how it impacts them. I know, weird. It's just, that's but, what's wrong with the world. But you're bringing it to us from the friend position. The long forgotten, the uh, the unspoken heroes of bad relationships. Yes. Your friends. You know, that's weird. I, you'd be a good friend. Eh, you'd think so, but <laughs> experience will tell you otherwise. <laughs> it's funny because uh, parents could say the same thing, right? Yeah, sure. It's not about even what your friends say or what you think. It's really about us because we're the ones paying the bill. Right. It's, there's something I saw on the internet today. It was a quote from the Bill Cosby show, and uh, one of his daughters said, Dad, we, I, I, we have all these things so so easy because we're so rich and he pulls his daughter inside and says wait a minute let's get one thing straight <laughs> me and mom are rich you have nothing you have nothing neither do your friends neither do your friends <laughs> i think uh i think that's profound um wow i've just never i've never heard someone argue about the relationship from the friend's perspective i mean it might be a ridiculous angle but this is me so well yeah it seems to fit whatever the angle whichever does it hurt you to come up with those bits? No, it's kind of fun. I get okay. to yell. I get to go into a small studio and yell at a microphone. Do you sleep at night? No. You don't get much done when you sleep. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of doing nothing okay, while you sleep. You are off in a variety of ways. That's why we like you. Well, I do what I can. BT, did you happen to learn anything about love? Um, I really liked uh, what Elisa said about you shouldn't have to feel like you're working at it all the time. Yeah, it should be a little more natural. And sometimes that means you just need the skills, right? Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with working at it occasionally. You're feeling like you're putting effort into it. But if you, if you feel like every minute you're just forcing everything. Hey, here's another minute. That's exhausting. You're, like, if you feel like every minute you're beating a dead horse. <clears throat> Which I don't do very often, but. Yeah, it's bad for horses. Too many metaphors. What did you learn, Rob? I learned that you need to lift your chin up when you're around a girl so they think you're confident. And but pull not your shoulders back. But not so high up that yeah, no, she you thinks you're your, a snob. No, you want to keep your face forward. Well, you, you don't want to. You want to show off your neck beard. You gotta. No, you don't want your no, neck beard showing. No. By the way, that's vulnerable. You don't want your because they the one shot to your your throat, you're gone. Keep okay, your chin so, down. So keep the, the shoulders chin back, up, face up, up high. Yeah, yeah just like you're doing right now. It's working. Tipping backwards. Oh yeah, keep your yeah, keep your too, balance. Too far too. back. <laughs> you got you. I, we got more work on that one, Rob. We'll work on the balance thing. Okay, Skyboy, what'd you learn other than hey, let's not push buttons during the show? I think I learned love is a roller coaster. <laughs> Did you <That's>... knew that? <laughs> you knew that well before the show. Hey, repetition will teach you anything. Yeah. Wow. And tilting the head. She's yes, good. That's, that's, that's for girls. Okay, just so you know, we were playing with you. <laughs> girls tilt their if head. If a girl tilts her head. That's a good learning. It's, again, she's got whiplash or she's saying, I or like she you. she likes you. But Elisa says that she likes you and I would trust her because she knows that more. Yeah. I don't know how many women have whiplash right now. And either of those, either of those qualities, I'll say, are, they're not bad things, okay? No. Likes you, whiplash, hey, both good. My both book. good. Well, unless you're paying for it. Well, you know. Anyway, uh, good stuff, folks. Uh, appreciate you listening to us. We're here every Monday through Friday, right? Five o'clock Eastern time. And we'll be back tomorrow uh, unless some reason they've taken us off the air because Skyboy keeps messing, keeps messing with our audio boards. That's my goal. But we'll Sabotage be back. Your show. Thanks for joining us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem. Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Weekly Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. 